Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. And amen. Well, obviously, I'm going to ask a question as we start our Bible study. Have you ever had a deja vu moment? Right? Have you ever had that moment, right, when you felt like, man, I have been here before. I have seen this. I am not sure what or where, but I know I have seen this. And this happened to me. It's so funny. It happened to me this weekend. Okay? I was at my friend's house, right? And I was sitting there, and I was kind of looking around their kitchen, and I see this picture. Okay? And I looked at the picture hanging there, and I glanced at it, and I looked at it again, and I said to myself, I've seen this picture before. Now, Captain Obvious says, of course you have. You were probably friends. You've, but I hadn't seen, I have not been in their house in probably 25, 28 years. So I went to, you know, I didn't even remember what I ate last week, much less a picture hanging somewhere in Santa Fe. And so I was like, okay, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. I'm telling you. And this really started to freak me out. It started to play with me. And I said, so, hey, I'm, hey, I'm, <laughs> where did you get that picture? And he says, oh, it's original. I got it in Santa Fe, right? And, and the guy was painting themselves and we bought it in Santa Fe. And I was like, wow. Huh. And the picture is very interesting. It's a cat and a snake coming down on a cactus. And so it's not, I mean, and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, hmm, hmm. Well, here's, here's the deja vu moment. My mother-in-law has almost the very same picture. And so I took a picture. I sent it. Like, now, it's supposed to be original, right? So I sent it to Talia and Neth. I said, does Grammy have this picture? Right? And uh, somebody was supposed to get back to me, didn't. But um, anyway, Nathalie said, no, there's tile. It's, a, it's the same picture, right? It's just a tile, a little bit different. Like, and so it was just like trippy mouths. Like, I, where did, I, I had never been to South Dakota in my life. It was a deja vu. I was like, really? This is so stinking weird. But anyway, my mother-in-law has one. Tom and went, now, it makes sense, right? Because my mother-in-law lives in... Santa Fe, and that's where they got it from, and there it was, and so anyways, that's my deja vu moment for this weekend. Now, for the sake of our study, let me kind of explain what deja vu means via dictionary. Deja vu is the feeling of having already experienced the present situation. Ah, that was deja vu. I've seen this before. Now, tonight, guys, we're going to have a deja vu moment. You see, but it's, it's really not for, for Isaac, per se, but really for us. Because, you see, Father Abraham experienced almost the same thing that Isaac is going to experience here in tra- chapter 26. Let me set the stage. Uh, a famine and escape to Gerar, if you remember, and to Egypt. Now, that's kind of what had happened. And if you remember, we talked about that, at, that Abraham went down to Gerar. Now, let me explain to you very quickly. In Genesis chapter 20, here's what we learned, okay, a few weeks back. If you recall, Abraham had not been what you would call the picture-perfect Christian, Although he is known as Father Abraham, he had his share of, of bad choices. And, and what I like about that is that we can relate, okay? Here's why. Here's why. When you get saved, when you get saved, 
The Bible doesn't say, now follow a list of rules and regulations. Follow this, do this, don't do that. Hey, you need to cut your hair. You need to get the earring out of your ear. You need to not have tattoos, whatever it might be. There's a list of rules, right? That's not what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, do you know what it means to be saved? He says, abide in me. He says, abide in me. Make yourself at home with me. That's, that's really the only rule. The disciples came to him and he said, hey, Jesus, what do we have to do to do the works of God? And what did he say? Believe in me. And it's like, wow, okay, I got it. No, I don't. No, I don't. Because what happens is we look at Abraham and we sort of put him up in a pedestal. and We go, man, he would never make mistakes. I do. I make a lot of mistakes. But Abraham wouldn't. But he does. He does. And so what happens, guys, is he comes, and one of the first of the bad choices is actually found in chapter 12. So we go way back in our mind. In Genesis chapter 12, in verse 10, it says, there was a famine in the land. Everybody say famine. Because you know there's a famine coming, right? Now, why is that so important? I'm telling you, I'm just tripping on this thing because I feel like what if the end of the days, the end of our, our existence on earth, there is a famine and Israel has all the food, okay? That's the thing. I mean, what about, I mean, that's, that's where people are going to attack and, and, and try to, I, I just, there's a famine. There's 13 major famines in the Bible. We see right off the bat, well, what happens to Father Abraham? Well, there's a famine in Abram, who was, before he changed his name, he went down to Egypt and he dwelt there, for there was a famine, there was a severe famine in the land. Now, you remember the story. It came to pass, guys, when he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to his wife, hey, baby. Oh, I don't know if he said baby. But no, he looked at her and he said, hey, hey, you're really good looking. You're really beautiful. He says, and he says, you know what's going to happen when the Egyptians see you? They're going to say, man, this is, is this Abraham's wife? And, and they will kill me. He says, but they'll let you live. Sweetie? Sweetie, would you just tell him you're my sister? Would you just do it for me, lovey honey bunny? You tell him you're my sister. And she's like, all right. And, and, and the reason why, sweetie, is because I want to live. <laughs> I don't really feel like dying at the hands of the Egyptians. Well, you guys know the story, right? God intervenes and saves both Abraham and Sarah and you would think that that lesson would be painful enough that Abraham would never try this again. He's probably looking, right? Here, first and foremost, we know that the promise is going to come from Sarah. So for, for her to go and be part of Pharaoh's harem would just not be cool. That's not what the promise child would have, again. But not only that, can you imagine looking at your wife and saying, baby, I know, you know what, listen, I love you. But I love me so much more because I don't mind if you become somebody else's wife as long as they don't kill me. That's essentially what he's saying. And I know that Sarah loved Abraham. How do you know that? Because she agreed to it. She didn't go, get out of it. Let's. What are we missing here, church? What are we missing? It's something that you and I struggle with each and every day, guys. Because we see that Abraham and Sarah missed, and they just, they just mistrusting God. They're mistrusting God. 
Well, Ben, how come they couldn't trust the Lord? How come they couldn't trust Jesus? Why? I mean, because because I struggle with it. I know they struggle. Why would they? Because they, they they trust Jesus. Let me let me let me give you a little experiments. Okay, for those of you that are married, you trust your wife. You trust your husband. Okay, you you trust them. For those of you that are not married or single, you know you have a relationship for somebody you trust. The question is, how did you get there? How did you get to be able to trust somebody that you know they'll take care of you? They have your back. They're going to walk with you. How did you do that? You got to what? You got to know them. You spent time with them. Okay? That's how you knew. Okay. Okay. I try. And, and the point is, is that if you want to build your trust with Jesus, you want to know that you can trust God, what do you need to do? You need to spend time with him. You need to know him. You need to abide in him. You need to say, this is who he is. I know he's not going to let me down. But we somehow walk in, our, in a supernatural way thinking, okay, I got this, Jesus, you're my, you know, and, 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 and we forget that we need to spend time to see who he really is. So he moves in our heart. That's what he said. He says, abide in me. And listen, the fruit that you bear it's going to be supernatural because you're abiding in me. The rules that you keep, it's not out of, out of obligation. It's out of a love relationship. The things you do. And Abraham, and they missed it, right? They missed it. You would think they would be hurt, but guess what happens? You know what? I mean, here it is. They come to chapter 20, and he's like, oops. You know, I did it again, right? Because in chapter 20, Abraham journeyed there to the south. He dwelt in Kadesh and Shur, and he stayed in Gerar. Now, Abraham said to his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, took Sarah. So it wasn't that it just happened one in chapter 12. It happened in chapter 20. The Bible says that you and I that these things happened to them, right, as an, so, so that we can learn as an admonition. You saw that. And again, we see a lack of faith and trust in God and what God had promised Abraham. Because he's telling, he's going, it's, it's, it's later and he's like, baby, listen, I know, you know that whole thing in Egypt. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Egypt, Egyptians are weird. This is, this is Abimelech. He's the, he's, he's the king of God. Just tell him you're my sister. Well, you guys know the story, right? Same thing happened. But, but you might be asking, Ben, 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 why would Abraham keep saying that, that Sarah is his sister? Well, remember back then, guys, so powerful that if a powerful man wanted to make an unmarried woman his wife, he would simply take her. That's how I got Natalie. <laughs> I just said, you're mine, baby. No, that's not how it worked. But that, I wasn't powerful enough, right? I was just a kid. Anyways, so he would take her. But what if she was married? Guess what he would do? If he wanted her bad enough, he would kill her husband. Man. I mean, that's exactly what would happen. And so Abraham didn't want to get killed. He didn't want to get killed. Well, y'all know the story. God saves Abraham again, gives him a dream to Abimelech. Abimelech is rebuked by a heathen king. Both go off their separate ways. And then one day, God reconciles 
their friendship. Why is that important? This is important because as we come to chapter 26, we're going to see that Abraham's son, Isaac, has an encounter with Abimelech. Now, here's what you need to know. Abimelech was the king of Gerar. Gerar is being here is identified being in the land of Philistines. It's called Peleset in Hebrew, Peleset. Okay? In a parallel story about Isaac and Abimelech, it resides here in chapter 26. However, we know that this happened about 100 years earlier than what we're going to study tonight. So could Abimelech be like, no, no, no. Here's what you need to jot down, okay? If you're taking note, Abimelech is a title much like Pharaoh is. So when the Bible says Abimelech, king of Gerar, it's basically saying this is his title. So when we read chapter 26, you're going, oh, it's a title, okay. So it could be his son. It's probably the dynasty of his son. It's not the same dude that, that, that interacted with Abraham, but it's going to be, the same word is going to be used. Now, why is that important? It's important for you and I because as we study the Bible, guys, we have to understand this or else we'll go, well, that doesn't make any sense. How could... The king, right? How could this guy, 97, how old would he have been, man? He'd have been like 250 if it was 97. Oh, wait a minute. We got to do some study. We got to, we got to work and we, we've got to do this. Okay. So we know what happened, right? Last week, as we came to the word of God, we tackled chapter 25, which had five stories in one. And we learned that Abraham got married again and had six sons, right? From an, basically another nation for Abraham. We saw that he died at a good old age of 175. We took a quick look at Ishmael's boys, their names, what they meant. Abraham, right? Ishmael um, was Abraham's first boy, but he wasn't the promised child. We also saw that Abraham, what? He gave gifts and he sent them on their way. But we also learned that Isaac got it all. Then the story changed to Jacob and Esau. Do you guys remember that? These were twin. These are the twin boys that Rebecca had. Now, if you recall the story, okay? If you recall the story, the first thing you need to know, guys, is to keep praying. There was the servant who was looking for a bride for Isaac. By the time he finished his prayer, God answered that prayer. Can I get an amen? Don't you love those prayers? God, before I... Oh, there it is. He answered. Now, the problem that I see with the servant is the servant's like, Lord, is this the right answer? It's like, hello, everything you said answered. And I go, that's me. That's me. But then we see that Rebecca was barren for 20 years and, Ab- and, and, and Isaac was praying for her, praying, God, please let us have a kid. Please let us have a kid. Please let us have a kid. Year one goes by, Lord, please let us... Year two... You're three, you're four, you're five, you're six. You're 15, 16. He just kept praying, guys. What what would possess Isaac to pray for 20 years? And not us. What would possess him? to Tell, tell me, what would, what would keep a man on his knees for 20 years praying, and you and I, we would quit after, 
And then you could fill in the blank. Oh, man, I quit after a year. I'll quit after five years. I'll quit after 10 years. What would possess him? Think about it. Dun, 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 dun. You know what I think? Here's what I do. Now, y'all can listen. Here's what I do. I tend to categorize God as he's either for me or against me. And if I'm praying and God answers, then, oh, he's for me. Amen. I must be, I must be, I must find favor in his sight. He must be pleased with me. All right, God answered. He said, yes. And then when God doesn't answer and it takes a little while, and he doesn't answer and he doesn't answer and he doesn't answer and he doesn't answer and he doesn't answer. I'm thinking I must have done something. Ah. And so we go through all the stuff that we've done in our minds. What did I do? Did I say that? Well, you know. I mean, I know I cut that little lady off at the grocery store. I shouldn't have done that, Lord. Was that it? Or, and we go back. But the reason, guys, the reason I believe that, ooh, that Isaac prayed is because he never looked at God either for him or against him. He said he's God. And he trusted in the sovereignty of God for his life. He trusted that God had his back all the time. He trusted that he, he knew God. He said, it, it, I mean, we have a perfect example. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Think about them. You're going to bow. We're not going to bow. You got to bow. You got to bow. When the music comes on, we're going to bow. If you don't, you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. You know what they tell? They said, listen, we're not going to bow to your idol. God's going to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. It wasn't that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were giving, were giving God an out. Well, Lord, even if you don't, okay, then everybody, we'll, we'll say face. You know what they said? They said, listen, God's going to do something. He is good. He is going to, he is, that's where, this is where I'm standing. God is good. God is good. Here's what you need to internalize. God is good in your life. Not because he gives you something, not because you close on a house, not because you have a child, not because you find a husband, not because you find a wife, not because you ate this week. God is good because God is good. Those things are blessings. He blesses us, but God is good because of who he is. God is good. How do you know that? Spend time with him. What do you think the devil wants to do in your life? Keep you so busy that you don't spend any time with him. Okay, it's time, it's time for my quiet time. It's time, to, it's, time, it's time for my devotion. What do I do in my devotion? Okay, Lord, here's my devotion. Okay, I'll do my devotion. And then we start thinking. What's the first thing that happens, guys? We start thinking, what do I got to do today? Huh, I didn't meal prep. Maybe I should get that done. Oh, I didn't do the laundry. I don't have any, I don't have any work clothes. You know what? I never... Uh, and we forget. And so what happens, guys, is we'll, we'll, we'll go through it really quick. But here's what I want you to do. I want to challenge you, okay, because I had to challenge myself. I want to challenge you. Tomorrow morning or tonight, whenever you do your quiet time, whenever you spend time with Jesus, okay, go back and ask the Lord, what did you speak to me? What, what was this? If you're reading the, the one-year Bible, okay, and you, you're listening to it or you're reading it, go back and say, give me the one thing that he really spoke to you. But why would I do that? Here's why. Because sometimes I read it, 
I'll read the Old Testament. I know the book of Isaiah. I'll read the New Testament. I'll read the Psalms and I'll read the Proverbs. And I can close the book and I can go my way. And the Lord's like, what did I say? And I'm like, well, he said a lot, Lord. <laughs> you said a lot in there. You know, you're not short on words. God is awesome. And he goes, what did I say specifically? What was going on? And I was like, oh. Right? Men, you know that with your wives, right? Men? Where's my men? Right? Men, your wife's talking to you, and you're like this, and you're not really paying attention, right? And, and Nathalie busted me on that one. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, okay. She knows my eyes. They're probably going, and she goes, what did I say? Well, you said something. No, what did I say? Tell me what I said. I busted, can't be trusted. <laughs> That's how we know the Lord, right? We, we, we sit and spend time with him. Don't just do it to check it out. Okay, got my Bible reading done. Amen. And so he prays for 20 years, has two boys. Isaac is 60, two boys. Guess what their names are? He said, Jacob and Esau, right. You know that they fought from the very beginning, right? They fought. I asked Tiffany last week when we were studying this, I said, is, is little Hezekiah moving around a lot? And she looked at me like this, right? Um, and she goes, yeah, he moves. And I said, could you imagine having two? Now, she, she's a twin. And I said, could, could, you have, could you have twins too? She said, oh, yeah, I'm very, right? So I was like, wow, but they were fighting. Could you imagine two fighting in there? Could you imagine, you know, that's what's going on. And of course, they're eventually born, right? And so Esau comes out, little rug, hairy, and Jacob comes out he, catching his heel, right? Catching his heel. Now, here's what we learned really quick, guys. Jacob and Esau, as they grew up, they had the same heart. You go, what do you mean? Well, one was transparent. Hey, I'm going to eat this. I'm going to go out and kill me some food. I'm eat that was Esau. And the other one only had the appearance of a good heart. But he had the same heart. And we learned that only Jesus can transform a heart. Do you understand that? Only Jesus can transform a heart. Listen, listen, you and I, we can modify our behavior to look like something we're not. But it's only Jesus that comes in and begins to twist and turn and modify that, and he turns to transform it, and that's what, that's what makes us different. If you want to be good, you can only be good for so long if Jesus isn't in it. Right? What, what is that old adage? Eventually, you'll see their true colors. And it's true, isn't it? Eventually, you're just like, man, I knew it. I knew it wouldn't last. Look at them. And it's like, no, because it's only Jesus that comes in that can change a heart. That's the first thing we learned. Third thing, or the second thing we learned is that favoritism kills. Amen? 
The Bible says that Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jesus. Guys, it had already started in the womb, and the parents didn't do anything. They didn't say, no, you're twins. We love you the same. We love you this the same. Now, both kids are different. They're different. Our kids are different. We're all different. But we need to love them the same. We need to love them the same. Jacob loved Esau a little bit more. You know, he put up with, he put up a little bit with, with you know, with, with Jacob. Isaac loved, sorry, Isaac loved Esau. He put up with a little bit with Jacob. Okay, yeah. Hey, Dad, do you want, I baked you these cookies. Oh, thank you, son. I'll eat them later after Esau comes in with some meat. And then Rebecca was the opposite. But here's the point. We know that God has no favorite, no favorites. But we do. The problem is, guys, is sometimes when, when we act like this with our kids, we act like this with our grandkids. Now, I, on the other hand, have my favorite granddaughter in the whole world. And you're going, really? Yeah, that's because I only have one. So she's the favorite, okay? So, so... Aiden is selling chocolate. And I said, get behind me. Because I can't have chocolate. But Joseph, my buddy over there, bought six of them. And he gives me one. Okay? As soon as Cordelia comes in, I said, Cordelia, don't, I said, don't look in Grandpa's pants. Don't look in his, in his, in his, right here. Right? And she looks and she gets a chocolate, right? She gets, oh, she's all excited. Is there anything else? No, no, just this. And then the way Talia looked at me, she goes like this, Grandpa's home. Yeah, she's my favorite. And I know, I know that look. You know what that look is? You never did anything like that for me when I was growing up as a kid. That's that look. But that's not true. I always gave them Saturday cereal anytime they wanted. It was Mama who didn't give them Saturday cereal. Pastor, what's your point? Don't play favorites. Don't play favorites. So now we come to our text. We come to our text. Guys, as we continue in chapter 26, we've begun the Isaac story. So let's start reading in verse 1 of chapter 26. There was a famine in the land. Whoa, deja vu. Besides the famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Now, again, deja vu, right? This happened before. There's a famine in the land, right? So let's break it down. We see Isaac basically migrate up to Gerar. God confirms a covenant with him. It starts out by saying there was a famine in which Moses, the writer of the book of, of Genesis, is his way of telling us that Isaac moved. And Moses makes the distinction that this was a different famine rather than the one brought by Abraham to Egypt. That, I mean, it's different. He says, okay, now don't, don't remember. It's not, it's not this one. It's a, it's a new famine. It's a new famine. Now, again, so we're not confused. Abimelech is a, is a they call it a dynastic title, the dynasty. Okay, such as Pharaoh. 
And then you can write, this happened 97 years after the first encounter with Abimelech. So you know that it's just, okay, something's happening. Now, I got to thinking about Isaac, right? I got to thinking about him freaking out about a famine and moving. You go, what do you mean? Like, I wonder, did he hear stories growing up? Did he hear stories from Abraham? You know, hey, me and Sarah are walking in the park. And remember when we had that famine and we went up to, remember when I told you you're my sister? I don't know if he heard that growing up. But we know there's a famine and we know he's moved too. So that's tripping me out. I'm like, what? I wonder what happened. I wonder what happened. If so, we need to be careful about such things. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Listen to me. We have way more influence than we think with our kids. When you think they're not listening, they'll hit you up. And you might have an adult conversation. You might be having adult conversations and you don't think they're listening. They're listening. And we have to be so careful. Was this maybe history repeating itself? Right? Maybe, maybe people went to Egypt for help in times of the famine. But here's a question we've got to ask ourselves, and I think you should jot this down. You go, well, like what? Ask yourself this question. Where do I run when things in life get really hard? And you go, why? Do we run to the world? Because Egypt in Scripture is a type of the world. And so I had to step back from my study. I had to go, okay, so when things get really, really hard, where do I go? Where do I run to? Do we run to the world? Or do we hunker down to Jesus and ride out the storm? Where do I run? Well, we don't know. All we know is that Isaac and company, right, his wife, they, they, uh, they, they moved once again, right? Verse 2, and the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Everybody see that. Live in the land which I tell you. Now, why is that important? Why is that important? You know what I put right here? I said, busted can't be trusted. And you, got, you go, what do you mean? What do you mean? Here's what I mean. Why do you think Isaac, where do you think Isaac was headed that the Lord had to go? Don't go to Egypt. He was headed to Egypt. <laughs> You're like, seriously, dude? Yeah. And so, and so the Lord's like, hey, don't go to Egypt. L- live in the land. Live in the land. Right? Live in the land. Now, what does the Bible say about, about Egypt, about the type of the world? What, what does the Bible say? Well, you guys know this, right? You guys know this. You see... The biblical concept of the world falls into five categories. You have the physical world. You have the human world. You have the moral world. You have the temporal world. And you have the coming world. So when it talks about worlds, you need to know what he's talking about. Okay? The physical world, guys, is the largest extent includes the whole universe, the cosmos, and creation. You will see that, guys, going in. You'll see that whenever you look and you study. You said, this is the cosmos. Okay. 
Then you have the human world, and the human world includes dry land where people can live, inhibited in earth where they do live. Basically, it's the world. And then you have the moral world, and the moral world includes people, listen, indifferent or hostile towards God. We don't want to go to those places. Because John, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, says, do not love the world. Or the things in the world. Why? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What's what's our application? What's our truth? Guys, listen, when things get really rough, listen to me, and they will. It's Wednesday night. You're here. But let me tell you this. As The days get shorter, and I don't mean time-wise. I mean shorter before the return of Jesus. The spiritual warfare is going to get even more intense. It's going to happen. I don't know if you know this, but as a believer, the devil hates your guts. And he's going to do everything he possibly can to trip you up, to get you. So you go, so... So when things, so in a morning, okay, you go, ben, ben told me, Ben told me, okay. Be ready and don't run to the world. The world can't bring you any comfort. Grab the ankles of Jesus and hold on to him. You go, what does that look like? If you're a married couple, be praying, praying with each other. Be praying. If you're a wife in here, be covering your husband. Be covering him with, with, with prayer. You know what my wife used to pray for me about when I went on business trips? That I wouldn't be naive. She covered me in prayer. She didn't think I was dumb. She just thought I was naive to what was out there. But she knew. She covered if you're single, then you need, to, you need to just be praying. You need to be praying. Don't love the world or the things of the world, guys. If anyone loves the world, guys, the love of the Father is not in him. And the Bible says, remember, abide in Christ. The love of Jesus will keep us from loving anything and anyone else more than him. Guys, when we love Jesus, the love of the world diminishes. That's that's the key. Now, there's a central truth to our text today. There was a famine in the land, right? Everybody said famine, right? Another test of faith and obedience. But what we need to understand is that for us, it seems like every believer, every child of God will go through repeated testings and refinings. Or you'll go through a season where you greatly rejoice. It'll be great. And there'll be seasons of heaviness through temptations and trials and refinings. Jot this down. I think it's important. Somewhere in your Bible, in your notes. 
you can put this, my faith will be tested. My faith will be tested. Listen, listen to the way the Apostle Peter says, listen to this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 and 7, it says, So be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure trials for a little while. Wait, Pete, what are you saying? He said, man, there's a, there's a wonderful joy. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day Jesus Christ is, is revealed to the whole world. That's what Peter says. He says your faith is going to be tested. It's going to be te- do you know how they, do you know how they, do you know how they get gold? Have you ever, do you know how they, okay, do you know how they purify gold? It's the, it's the neatest thing, okay? Now, here's what they do. They put the gold in, and here's what they do. They turn the fire up real hot. And here's what happens to gold, right? All the impurities rise to the top. And you go, well, that's it, right? No, here's what they do. They'll take all the impurities, all the junk, it'll rise to the top, and they scrape it off. And then they turn up the fire again, even hotter. And all the impurities rise to the top. You know, they do this. They keep turning the fire hotter and hotter and hotter until when they take all of the stuff off, all the impurities, all the junk, and then they can see their reflection in the gold, then you know it's pure gold. They call it the refiner's fire. What's God doing with us? Listen, he'll turn up the heat, and all the stuff comes out, and God goes, okay, and he'll take it off. You go, I was hot. Okay, okay, life is good. Okay, things are good. He says, okay, here we go. Oh, what is he doing? He wants to eventually see his reflection in you. So it's not a bad thing that your faith is tested. Just know that it's going to be tested. It's going to be tested. Well, back in our study, God is speaking to Isaac. He says, Dwell in the land, and I will give you and bless you. And for, for to you and your descendants, I, I give all these lands, and I will perform an oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. You go, what oath? What promise? Do you remember he said, I will make your descendants mighty as the stars of heaven, and I will give your descendants all the land? Notice what he says. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That is the promise. Now you go, why? Everybody say why. Why would he do that? Verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my law. And so Isaac obeyed and dwelt in Gerar. Now, we've got to go back for a moment, right? Because the, the very first thing we see is a beautiful picture, picture of Jesus in verse 4. He says, in your seed, right, Jesus will be born through your seed, and all the nations will be blessed, right? All the nations is blessed because of Jesus. We have our... Nation, the U.S., I mean, all the nations is blessed, but we also have our spiritual nation, okay? But the lingering question is why? Why would, why, would you, why would you do that? Here's what I want you to see. Because God says, Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge and my commandments. Abraham was obedient. Now, 
we can look at this in one of two ways. We can go, well, I'm trying to be obedient. And that's the whole thing. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. We try to be obedient. God blessed him because of his obedience. But at the same time, you and I read the scripture and we know, we know that he didn't always obey, did he? He didn't always obey the Lord. Abraham was a man just like you and I. So I'm going, wait a minute, God, you just said. How, how could you say that, Lord? How could you bless the nations through Abraham's obedience? Listen, because Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness. You see, his belief brought on the righteousness, not his obedience. You, you got to get this, guys. This is going to set you free. Because here's what people are trying to do. They're trying to obey in order to get righteous. Jesus says, believe, you'll be righteous, and then you'll obey. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. Because this is going to burn me out. How good is good enough? How many prayers do I have to pray? How good, okay, Lord, I'm just going to obey. And then I'm thinking, okay, I think I'm in. I think I'm in. I think I'm in. I think I'm in. And then I mess up, and guess what happens? I'm out. Now I got to start over. It's better for me to believe. Let the Lord transform my heart. Listen, if you're playing with Jesus tonight, if you're playing games with him, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen, you just got to see it's, it's his righteousness. Abraham believed and it was accounted to him righteousness. This was known as the Abrahamic covenant. And yet we even have a greater covenant in the New Testament. Listen to this, okay? I know you can't write it fast enough. I should have put it on PowerPoint, but listen to this. In Christ, there is nothing I can do that will make him love me more. And there is nothing that I've done that will make him love me any less. In Christ, there is nothing you can do that's going to make him go, oh, mi corazón, my heart, look at that, yeah, my boy. He loves you already, and there's nothing that you have done that, he, that, he's, going to, that he's going to go, oh. He says, there's nothing you can do. That's what it means to be in Christ. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Well, Isaac, dwells, he dwelt in Gerar, right? And the men of the place asked about his wife. And he said, she is my sister. Why? Why would you do that, Isaac? For he was afraid. She is my sister because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me, for Rebecca, because she's beautiful to behold. Don't you just love that? I love that the Bible said that Rebecca is beautiful to behold. And you know what I wrote down? Oh, no, not again. Abraham did this twice with Pharaoh and, and, and Abimelech. And you're just like, oh. Well, same concept. Isaac did not want to die because his wife was beautiful. Okay, and you know what? I think poor Sarah, poor Rebecca, right? I mean, can you imagine? Hey, sweetie, yes, 
we're moving. Things are getting tough here. Pack up the house. We're moving. Oh, and when we get there, tell them you're my sister. I can imagine how my wife would look at me. She'd be like, say what? Yeah, tell them you're my sister. Um, Sweetie, you're, you're beautiful. I mean, you're really beautiful. And I know, man, once they see you, Nathalie, once they see you, they're going to kill me. Tell them you're my sister. I mean, my wife would look at me and be like, ah, oh, that's sweet. You, you think I'm beautiful? Yeah, but I don't think she'll fly for the tell them you're my sister thing. Because you know what it implies, right? It implies that she could be somebody else's wife. Because she's not mine. She's my sister. But I think, <laughs> you know, I'm like crazy. My, I think it'd be worse. I think it could get worse. You go, how could it get worse? Could you imagine going home and, and, <laughs> and telling your wife, sweetie, we're moving. Go ahead and tell him you're my wife. Go ahead and tell him you're my wife. It's okay. Right? What are you saying if you say that? Number one, she's not that beautiful. Or you don't mind dying. That's the thing, right? Okay, weird sense of humor. None of you got it. I get it. But you see, it could be worse. Sweetie, we're moving to Egypt. Go ahead and tell him you're my wife. I'll see you later. No, 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 no. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. And it came to pass in verse 8. Oh, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously, she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to them, because I said, lest I die on account of her. Now, catch the phrase, guys. I want you to see that. Underline it in your Bible. He had been there a long time. Why is this important? Why is this important? Because right now, Isaac and Rebekah, in a sense, are deceiving Abimelech and the men of Gerar. You go, well, how so? Well, they came in and said, okay, we're, we're here. There's a famine. Sweetie, tell them you're my sister. Tell them you're my sister. And it says they've been there a long time. They've been there doing that. So they're, they're getting away with it, or so they think. They did it for a long time. Let's see, God doesn't play that way. Just because God doesn't call you out right away doesn't mean that he's okay with it. He's giving us a chance, guys, to repent from it. Just because God didn't appear in that verse and goes, what are you doing? I told you, get, you know, I trust me. You... He's saying, guys, listen, you need, we need to walk in integrity with God. And just because he doesn't call us out doesn't mean he's okay with it. And you know what I'm saying, right? Because we seemingly think we can get away with sin. Oh, I, I'm getting away. I'm doing this and God's okay with it, man. He hasn't, he hasn't said anything. I haven't been convicted. And God's like, I'm giving you an opportunity to repent, to, to come to me and change. I think it's a good hard check right here. And then guess what happens? One day, boom, right? Isaac was busted being affectionate to his wife. And the king saw it. One translation actually said 
I was like, I was kind of like, wow, this is, that was pretty deep. One translation actually said that the Abimelech looked through the window and saw Isaac making love to his wife. I was like, that's pretty graphic. I mean, that was like, wow. So he knew specific, it wasn't just like, oh, you're cute. No, you're cute. Oh, come here, tickle, tickle, tickle. It was like, that's your wife. That's, that's your wife. So he knew. And so what does he do? Guys, he says, come on, listen. She's obviously your wife. Why did you say that she was your sister? Because I was afraid someone was going to kill me. Here is an applicational truth that we can take to heart. You guys ready? What parents tolerate, behave like, live like, in moderation, children will allow or do in excess. You guys, you guys, you see this? What parents, what we do, what we tolerate, what we allow, how we live, what we say, even in moderation, our children see that and they will actually do that in excess. So that's either good news because listen, if you if you're living godly lives and you're praying and you're and you and you're you're monitoring what your kids watch and so forth, that's really really good. Or this is kind of like yikes kind of news. You go why? Well, I jot this down. For example, let me just give you these examples. Okay, when they see you call in sick, when you're not sick, what do you think they're going to do? When they see you or hear you gossip about others, what are they going to do? When they see what movies you watch. When they see us complain about everything and everyone. So what we have to do is we have to we have to be real. We have to be careful. It says in verse 10, and Abimelech said, what is this that you have done to us? One of our people might have, might have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all the people saying, help me guys, who touches, who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Quote, you guys see that, right? I want you to see that in verse 11. Why is that important? Okay, well, first and foremost, Isaac is being rebuked by a heathen king like his father was. And this is serious. Why? Think about this, guys. For someone to have sex with Rebecca or to commit adultery, it would have involved the whole country or the whole nation in guilt before God. He's like, what did you do? Now, here, let's get down. Let's get down, right? So what does he do? He makes a decree. He says, that's it. Nobody, nobody touches Rebecca or Isaac. And that's a decree. So let it be written. So let it be done. That's what, he, that's what he's saying. You guys, are you guys with me? You guys tracking with me? Now, here's what I wrote down, right? Captain Obvious sits on my face, and, and he says this. I wonder if Isaac would have been honest 
in the first place would the king have made the same decree? If they would have walked in and said, she's my wife, there's a famine in the land, we serve the living God, we come, I wonder if the king would have said, amen. You know, God warned me in a dream, nobody touches them. I started thinking, I was like, wow, wow. Okay, so let's close. We're going to close with verses 12 through 16, guys. So then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he came very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Well, I wrote down here, it seems like Isaac has has learned the lesson in trusting God. For see, he dwells in the land just a little while longer, and God continues to bless him and to prosper him. Now remember this, God blesses us for who he is, not for who we are. Let me give you a side note. We're, we are, we are going to close here in just a moment. Let me give you a side note, okay? Isaac, the Bible says, Isaac begins to plant and sow in the ground. He's talking about a seed. You guys with me? And I thought maybe the famine caused him to reevaluate everything and brought wisdom into Isaac moving forward. Okay, he's just not, he's just not okay. We have, we, we, he says, man, I need to plant some seeds. And you go, Pastor, what's the point? Here it is. You ready? Jot this down. Sometimes hard times bring out the best in us moving forward. Sometimes we'll go through a hard time and it brings out the best in us moving forward. And of course, number two, planting seeds in the New Testament has always been a type of sharing the gospel with others. Now the Philistines stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and he had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we, than we. So next week, guys, we're going to see Isaac move. But the feud with the Philistines, that's far from over. Far from over. And we'll look at that next week. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Great love for us, God. Thank you that we can pull so much application for our lives. And Lord, now we pray that you would put it. Help us to rock, walk, and be who you want us to be. Lord, your only command to us is to abide in you. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's what we want to do. So God, we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. 
Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapelubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.